Hi, friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited to be with you each and every Saturday, and thanks for telling your friends. My guest today is the boss at the best tool company in the world, in my opinion, the Milwaukee Tools. Every contractor, plumber, electrician, carpenter knows what I'm talking about, and I hope they come to the operating room someday. At 8.15, Steve Richmond's going to join me. And when I knew all week he was going to be my guest, and thanks to the great Jared Abrams for making it happen, he represents a game-changer, a game-changing idea. Because when I was a boy, eight years old, my dad came home with the biggest smile on his face when a guy at the lumberyard said, Hey, Abraham. You don't have to use a hammer and a chisel anymore on a two-by-four wooden stud to cut out the space for the outlet box, which is what my dad would do. Take him 15 minutes to do that job. Abe, there's a new tool. It's called a Sawzall. You go zip, zip with this power tool. 15 minutes becomes two seconds. My dad bought this tool from the guy. Used, beat up, rusted in a box. I still have it. The joy on his face is something I'll remember for the rest of my life. And when I became an orthopedic surgeon, the first thing I tried to do was make a Milwaukee Sawzall type tool in the sense of changing the world of orthopedics like it changed the world of carpentry. The tools I've invented are used all over the world. They're called the UltraDrive. Company Biomet sells them. Millions of cases all over the world. But it all started because of the Milwaukee Sawzall. So when I knew Steve Richmond was going to be my guest at 815, it made me think of those other worlds that I love. The world of art, the world of sports. Where do you see that Milwaukee Sawzall, the game-changing idea? Well, in surfing, my favorite sport, it happened in 1967 on the north shore of Oahu. An Australian surfer named Bob McTavish cut the Hawaiian surfboard in half. He made shortboards that allowed the surfer to not just go down the face of the wave, but for the first time in the world to go up the face of the wave. Listen to my favorite surfer of all time, Jerry Lopez, who's been a guest on this show a couple of times, describe he was there in 1967 and saw this with his own eyes. The revolution, the game changer, the idea of a shorter surfboard. Listen to Jerry Lopez, let's go to number 11. As far as I can remember, I think they all went back to the North Shore and then the Duke meet happened after that. And, you know, Bob came out here and, uh, you know, nobody had ever seen boards like that before. They're deep V, wide tail. He took off on a wave big, you know, took off behind the peak, 
big 10-foot West Bowl sunset, dropped down, laid that thing over on a rail. Number 12. Everybody held their breath at that moment because he went, drew a line on that board that no one still standing on a surfboard had ever drawn before. He went straight up the face of that wave, banked off the top, got stuck in the lip, you know, and got pitched over, but everybody remembered how he had come off the bottom and gone straight up the face of that wave. Number 13. And, you know, the surfboards of the period, especially the longboards, it was impossible to draw a line like that. It was pretty obvious that that particular design that they, you know, had brought over here with those big wide tails just didn't really fit in the, the power and the size of the waves here. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure all the top surfers of the day looked at that and went, something's going on. Number 14. You know, that was, I mean, he might not have made that wave, but that line he drew off that first turn was pretty amazing. And that was, that was the future of surfing, you know. That, after that, everything changed and, you know, people wanted to start drawing those kinds of lines. Instead of going straight across the wave, they wanted to go up to the top and come back down and go back up again. And number 15. And that was, uh, you know, I guess it was a function of, of the equipment changing, of course, but, you know, a desire and having seen that, nobody had seen that done before, you know. I mean, he saw it done, but the guy had fallen off the tail of his board and the board went up by itself in that direction. You know, McTavish was turning that board and it kept turning and it went straight up the wave. And after that, uh, everything changed. He then came to California. Mike Perry, a legendary board shaper in Santa Barbara, remembers seeing him in 1967, Bob McTavish, this visionary who changed, game changer, changed the world of surfing. He saw him at Rincon. Let's play number nine. The word that week, just that week alone, had come down that McTavish was up there and he was surfing, and he was surfing unbelievably well. We're parked on the highway. It's foggy, it's kind of a funky day, but the size is there, it's glassy. And this guy came weaving in from outside around the corner of the point, right into the first part of the point, just against the grain, against the grain. Whack, whack, whack. Never seen surfing like that, ever. Completely not what we'd been trained up to do. Wasn't riding the nose, he was just shredding the hell out of it. Cut everything down, modified the whole deal, took away the radical V-bottom, pulled the tail in, kept it flat, just had a very slight soft V in the tail, uh, and that board went like the clappers. He went like the clappers. I love that. Let's listen to Bob McTavish. Where do you get that vision? Most of the time, a game-changing idea comes from a dream. Listen to Bob McTavish first tell you that in the early 60s, he came to Hawaii and was flat-out disappointed with a board that just went down the face of the wave. That's what the Hawaiians did for centuries. And let me tell you, it's a fun thing to do. But McTavish said, no, I want to cut at the bottom of the wave and make a turn and go back up the face and go vertical on the wave. No one had ever done that before. Listen to Bob McTavish, number one. Well, being in Hawaii and being so disappointed with the Hawaiian heroes, 
of how straight and stiff their surfing was. I was so disenchanted by the Hawaiian surfers and shapers. Their boards were so big. And 10 6 was a baby, you know, and 11 footers and 11 sixes were pretty standard. These guys were taking off, doing one turn, one big slow turn, and going straight. How disappointing, you know, like I expected to see more than that, you know. And number two. When I saw those waves in Hawaii, what we were riding, I wanted to surf Sunset Beach. I wanted to be able to go and crank and use the vertical face instead of just taking off and going in a straight line running across the wave. I really wanted to work the face. So I had this dream one night as I was riding this board. It was about eight feet long and it was stubby. And I could see, my, I woke up in, after the dream with it clear in my mind, I can still see it now, of this climbing and dropping on a big eight to 10 foot wave and climbing on the face like this. And I woke up and went, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to make a surfboard that can do that. And let's listen to Greg Knoll, one of the greatest surfers of all time, talking about Bob McTavish and how he game-changed the world of sports. Number 10. It was not only a change in the way people surf, but in the mindset. And I don't know, I can't, it was just, it was just a huge goddamn change. To me, McTavish was definitely the guy that, that broke the spell or started the ball, kicked the ball in the ass and got it rolling down the hill. And then all hell broke loose. And in the world of art, the game-changing move was in 1841, John Rand, a nobody portrait painter out of Boston, who came up with the patent of putting oil paint in a zinc tube with a cap. Up until then, painters painted in their studios indoors. If the wind came or the rain came, the powder they were mixing would blow all over the place. But when John Rand put the zinc tube in the box, the easel that the painter could use and go outside, you could then paint the different changes of sunlight, morning light, afternoon light, evening light. And the French painters, Claude Monet included, basically said, without John Rand, there would be no Impressionism. The revolution in the art world, which was Impressionism, began with this game-changing idea. Sister Wendy Beckett, my favorite art historian, describes the revolution in the way we painted, called Impressionism, in the 1870s. Listen to Sister Wendy Beckett talk about the game-changing world of art. Number one. Everyone loves the Impressionists. We're familiar with them. We understand them. What we forget is that they're a watershed, and forever after, the story of painting is different. Number two. When Impressionism began, it caused something of an art revolution in Paris. But unlike political uprisings, this revolution was started accidentally by a man who simply wanted to paint the world around him as he saw it. Listen now when she says the, the new innovations in a portable easel and putting paint in a tube for the first time. Number three. They started to paint outside. New inventions like portable easels and ready mixed tubes of paint 
meant they could abandon their studios for the open air. They wanted to catch the single moment, a snapshot approach. Impressionist paintings are all dashes and inspiration, spontaneous but unpolished. And finally, Claude Monet. He could be outside now because of this game-changing idea and paint things nobody ever saw before. Snow, shadows. Oh, listen to Sister Wendy Beckett, finally, number five. Monet really saw. He saw things that people had never seen before. The color of snow, the color of shadows, the color of water. He was intent on capturing every flickering change of light, every fleeting moment. And this is never more exhilaratingly shown than in his last great series, The Water Lilies. Game-changing ideas in the world of art, the world of sports, and my world of surgery. Saquon Barkley's going to be running again. Unlike an ACL tear that ended the career of Gail Sayers and Joe Namath, game-changing technology in my world is going to make Saquon Barkley run like Adrian Peterson. But this, for me, all started when I saw a tool growing up called the Milwaukee Sawzall. Coming up next, we're going to learn all about the greatest tool in my lifetime that comes from a company called the Milwaukee Tool Company and the boss is joining me next, the great Steve Richmond. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. From now on, I am not Robert Clapper. I want you to call me Smokey. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Smokey Clapper. That's the greatest. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited to talk to my guest, Steve Richmond from the Milwaukee Tool Company. Steve, I know how busy you are. I can't thank you enough. This is a highlight in my 10 years of being on the radio to be able to talk to you. Thanks for making time to be with us. Dr. Clapper, hey, excited to be here today. Uh, all my <laughs> friends on the West Coast, my brother in L.A., they've been talking about you for years, years. Absolutely ecstatic to be on the phone with you. <laughs> I would love to hear, first, your story. To become the head of the greatest tool company in the world, how does that happen? Take us through your journey who inspired you? What did your dad do for a living? You're, you went to college at UCLA. Take us through the Steve Richmond story. Uh, you know, real quickly, I, I grew up in the Valley, grew up in Granada Hills, uh, older brother, older sister. My dad ran a dry cleaning store in, uh, in wow. Watts and uh, grew up through that experience and uh, was fortunate enough to be able to go to UCLA. Wow. Worked my way uh, uh, through the, the school there and uh, was able to meet my wife there and uh, left there uh, during the recession, 82 and 83, mm -hmm. and uh, made a decision uh, to go to work for a tool company, Black & Decker back in then. Now, wow. I, uh, my dad was, uh, did not understand how to use a tool. 
Every time he picked up a tool, he broke something in the house. <laughs> no capabilities there. And I followed in his footsteps. So I was just like that. Uh, but the, the opportunity with Black & Decker was I wanted to go into marketing. I had a great prof at UCLA who uh, taught me a lot. And from there, uh, ended up moving out to the East Coast and working for Black & Decker in the early years of B&D and working a couple of turnarounds for a power tool accessory business and a, and a tool business. And then continued in hardware and home improvement and industrial electrical and plumbing and all those channels of distribution and with those users over the past 30 plus years. Uh, and as we had our kids, we moved around a lot. And then we, uh, Jan and I decided to stay in Chicago. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was a, a CEO of a ladder company at that point in time, Werner Ladder. And what came about was uh, some acquisitions had acquired, some people had acquired Milwaukee Tool. And here you had this brand. If you can imagine the brand of the early uh, 1900s, a brand that was revolutionary at that point in time. You talked about game-changing. Well, post-World War II, think about this, this company that changed mm -hmm. the lives of mechanical contractors and plumbers and electricians by inventing and creating new products that drove productivity and safety on the job. Now, mm -hmm. these products were like right-angle drills. They were whole hogs. They were clearly the sawzall and the sawzall blades, and they were best in class. They had changed the game. Mm. You know what happens with a lot of other companies, uh, they fell asleep, and they were disrupted by everybody else. Black & Decker had to launch a new brand called DeWalt. Bosch entered the, uh, the U.S. market. Makita entered the market. And here you had this company, Milwaukee Tool, that was $450 million in revenue for 20-plus mm. years while every other company was growing and flourishing in tools, accessories, et cetera. And uh, when I had the opportunity to join and and help bring a, a, a new team together at Milwaukee, uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in my career. Mm. Do, you, do you have, as part of your advisory team, any of the designers or creative people that were there at the company for 40 years? Do, do you have any people who really anchor the roots of the company? That's really what I'm most interested in is, the guy who comes to work who invents the post-it, the guy who comes to work who invents the Sony Walkman, to have those folks who were there, I won't say in the beginning because nobody's that old, but do you have connections to people from the company that go way back? You know, it was interesting. When, we, uh, when I joined and we brought a lot of people in from competitive companies and other companies, you know, it was your classical turnaround. You had people that were excited about changing the game. And those were great engineers. We had a guy named Dave Selby, who was our senior uh, engineering uh, leader. And Dave had been around the block and was the most frustrated man on earth. He's recently retired. But Dave mm -hmm. was so frustrated. And the reason he was frustrated is because the engineering team had great ideas, great concepts. They had just created using lithium technology and got global and U.S. patents on the technology itself to be able to use in power tools. And there were no marketing department, no one to really understand the user and develop that. So we mm. took these great experts in engineering, and then we, uh, we recruited great marketeers from around many different industries, started a pipeline out of colleges throughout uh, the, the globe to be able to bring in. And that combination of old and new uh, brought us to the promised land and really mm. it changed the journey. But the, the one key, Dr. Clever, you talked about game changing, you know, our philosophy really was driven around a philosophy called disruptive innovation. And mm. that, that philosophy, the roots of that 
was Ruby mm-hmm. Clayton Christensen, the Harvard prof. And uh, Clayton, many years ago, before he died at the beginning of this year, said that the speed of change in technology today, the speed of change in companies, is going to change the game so quickly that if you don't disrupt yourself and disrupt markets, then you're going to be disrupted. And, you know, if you look at Blockbuster and Netflix, great example, Blockbuster, high to their stock. They viewed no other competition. And you had a company like Netflix who viewed themselves as an entertainment company and changed the game and their philosophy and their viewpoint across the board. For us, it was the same thing. It was how are we going to be partners with the trade? How are we going to be partners with the mechanical end user, the electrical end user, the plumbing end user, the utility end user, the remodeler? and understand what they do from the time they wake up in the morning to the time they go to bed at night. And that was our marketing teams and our designers and our job site solution teams. <laughs> All of those people gave us the opportunity to understand the pain points, the pain points that they saw on the job site and allowed us to go from this $415 million company that we were 13 years ago to we'll be close to 5 billion this year. And for, over 11 straight years, growing 20% per year. You know, you can hear, I'm talking to the great Steve Richmond, the boss at the Milwaukee Tool Company. When I listen to you, Steve, I feel like I'm listening to a Laker fan describing the Lakers better than Dr. Buss could describe it because you are the biggest fan of the Milwaukee Tool Company more than the engineer, more than the marketer, more than the designer. And, you know, when I think about it, that's actually who should be running the company. Someone who actually sees all of the, the teammates come together. You're the Phil Jackson of the Milwaukee Tool Company. Well, for a, great, for a big Laker fan like myself, that's the biggest compliment I've ever had. So <laughs> I love hearing that. Uh, there's no question that the difference in our company is not about the end product. It's about our people and our culture and what they have been able to, to deliver year after year after year in solving user needs and growing the company and flourishing and flourishing their careers at the same point in time. Uh, absolutely outstanding what they've been able to do to really deliver those pain points and deliver disruptive innovation to those users every single day. I, I would love to pick your brain a second because you have got to be one of the best probably at meeting a brand new individual, whether they're an engineer, a marketing person, a designer, and you're like Bill Walsh picking a 49er. They may be able to run the 40-yard dash, but if, they don't, if they're not a 49er, they can't be on the team. He was the first guy to really come up with that. Is there a particular question that you like to ask a brand new potential employee for the Milwaukee Tool Company? Is it that they smile, they have a sense of humor? What is it that you look for in a potential future employee that really hits your sweet spot? Number, number one, it comes back to culture. So we have a clear culture regarding being obsessed with our brand, obsessed with our users, obsessed with driving disruptive innovation, people that are candid, people that are willing to speak up for the good of the company in a professional manner. Mm-hmm. That's what you look for. Wow. There's always a way to be able to improve and change the game. 
And all of that ties to the questions that we ask to people. Because to your point, you know, like sports, you could have the best athlete in the world, but if they don't really have the cultural fit, and we say this all the time, let them go to work for another company. Because mm. the cultural fit is what makes the difference between our team, and we are one team at Milwaukee Tool, globally, in the U.S., in our factories, and our facilities. We're one team that drives that kind of success. And what we don't want is somebody who's not going to fit the culture for that kind of success. As you said, great coaches do as well. Mm. Oh, a couple of days ago, the plumbing in my house where I surf at in Ventura corroded because being near the ocean for so long, and I've had the house for 25 years, you couldn't turn the water on anymore. So I called the plumber, Logan Smith. He shows up, Gold Coast Plumbing, and I go to meet him because I'm an, an inquisitive person. And I want to see how he's going to take apart the plumbing to fix the shower. He opens up the back of his truck. And in the back of his truck, Steve Richmond, he opens up his tool bin, his power tool bin. And in it are 10 red power tools, pipe cutters, saws, angle grinders, all kinds of stuff. And they're all red. I looked at him. I said, you have so many tools. And they're all Milwaukee, he said to me because they're the best. And you got to be proud that here is thousands of miles away, all over the world, that a guy in the trenches feels so strongly about what you're trying to put together. It's got to make you proud as a peacock. Uh, there is absolutely no question. I'm proud of our team and our company and, and the one key philosophy and proud to be partners with that plumber every day, because we can help them drive productivity and help their jobs and make their life easier for what they do, uh, we, we've delivered. Same with a mechanical contractor, same with the guy in the utility, the utility worker. You talk about dangerous jobs, utility workers. People don't understand when there's a fire. They don't understand when there's a hurricane, that utility workers are out there making it happen every single day and, and making products for them that help them be safer on that job from safety equipment that we've launched to cutters and crimpers to other kinds of products. That, that's what uh, makes me go every single day. And hearing stories like that you just said, opening the back of that truck, and I'll tell you, I love to walk down the street and open the back of a truck or go to that job site and not only see what people say are good, but what we're doing wrong. Because the only way we get better is to understand what, what we're doing wrong today to help improve ourselves. And that's one of the reasons we recently launched a line of outdoor power equipment for mm. the users that are bringing that stuff at home, as well as commercial landscapers as well, because the other people are concerned about gas and electricity, et cetera. And, and we can solve the problems in a big way for all of those users as well. Well, that's in essence what happened in Impressionism. Putting the oil absolutely in a tube allowed them to go outside for the first time and paint sunlight different times of day. Can you stay on for another segment? I just I gotta I want to ask you about the history, which you know better than anybody else. Can you just hang on for a couple of seconds? We'll pay some bills. Yeah, come back absolutely. to you. All right, I love it. We're talking to the great Steve Richmond, my favorite tool company in the world, the Milwaukee Tool Company. He's the boss. Oh, I'm having, I'm just loving this. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Dr. Clapper says, measure twice, cut once. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Dr. Clapper dice, misura due volte, taglia una sola volta. Every Saturday morning <laughs> from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. We're dreaming right now with the the boss at the Milwaukee Tool Company, the great Steve Richmond. Bob McTavish revolutionized the sports world by making the surfboard shorter, cutting it in half, going vertical up the wave. In the art world, putting the tube in a zinc, the paint in a zinc tube in 1841 allowed the French painters to revolutionize the art world, making the ability for us in orthopedics to look through a small telescope fiber optically into the knee allowed Adrian Peterson to do what Gail Sayers couldn't, come back and play the sport he loves. I got to ask you, Steve Richmond, tell me the history of the Milwaukee Sawzall as a revolutionary tool. I want to know the history. And the future, is the future going to be to make it smaller like the arthroscope? Is it going to be making it smaller like the shortboard? Is it going to be making it more portable, just like putting the paint in a zinc tube, allowing you to go outside? Tell us the history of my favorite tool, the Milwaukee Sawzall, and the future. So uh, let, let's, let's go back to the 50s and think about the expansion of residential construction. Massive expansion, West Coast, down to the South, people moving to suburbs, and most of that being woodcutting. And so what, what happened? Small team at Milwaukee Tool came together and said, how can we develop a system, a tool and a series of accessories to really solve the problems of cutting lumber, cutting in tight spaces, cutting mm-hmm. wood, but most importantly for that plumber, cutting any, any kind of plastic or metal in any application. And from there, they launched the first generation of the, of the Sawzall and Sawzall blades. And both of those had to go hand in hand together to be able to really change the game. Hmm. Now, you can think about that was an electric tool. And then there was upgrades to that electric tool to a super Sawzall and special editions of Sawzall. But what really has changed the game now is the cordless Sawzall and mm-hmm. the blades that go along with it. So cordless sawzalls we have. We have miniature M12, our M12 cordless platform. If it's M12, that one battery fits on every single, hundreds of M12 products across the board, from lawn and garden mm-hmm. products to, to tools. And that M12 sawzall provides tight spaces, corners, everything from a DIYer to professionals uh, across the board. The M18, you know, as I was telling you the other day when we talked, the M18 Sawzall, our fuel Sawzall, which is the, the latest in motor technology, the latest in uh, red lithium uh, batteries that work in hot and cold performance and have extended life, the latest in electronics, that product allows you to do more than you ever could with an electric tool, more power out than an electric tool, and it will last the pro all day long. So we have that, we have hacksaws, we have all kinds of, of variations of that tool. And then we have sawzall blades. 
and that's where the other piece really helps assist in the performance. So our latest technology that our team's worked on for the past three years is not only a carbide sawzall blade, but it's called a nitrous carbide sawzall blade. So they've got mm. patent technology on this blade to allow you go to go through cast iron pipe with a blade without it ruining the blade and letting that plumber, letting that mechanical contractor get through it, letting an iron worker use it on a daily basis. And that's the kind of innovation and problem solving our teams uh, bring forward. Uh, Steve Richmond, as an orthopedic surgeon, yesterday I did six hip and knee replacements. Two of the patients were in their mid forties. When, when you hear the word hip replacement, you're thinking to yourself, Dr. Clapper's operating on my mother, my grandmother. No, I'm operating on your son. That's how young, due to the baby boomers and the exercise craze and all the injections and all kinds of surgery, the baby boomers, they're running. They are wearing out their joints earlier and earlier. Well, what does that mean for me? That means the bone that I have to cut is harder and harder. In, my, in one of the knee replacements I did yesterday, I had to use four different brand new blades because they got dull that quickly. So the technology you're talking about, if it's one thing I could do from today's interview is to beat you over the head, please, you need to come to surgery. We need Milwaukee uh, tools in the operating room. I know the FDA will give you a hard time, but you know what? If someone else can do it, you guys can do it. So I want to ask you, you after a question. The, after, the conversation, after the conversation with you, there's no question we need to look at that opportunity and say, how can we solve the problems and help you be more productive? That's right. Because here's what I want to ask you as a layperson. I remember being at Burbank Airport, looking out the window to catch my Southwest flight. And one of the airline mechanics, because I just love talking to people, said to me, you see the end of the wing on the Southwest plane? We were the first to make the wing tip go vertical, go up. It didn't stay as a horizontal flat wing. The very tip of it went up. I, you see that, Dr. Clapper? I said, yeah, I see that. He goes, that has added fuel efficiency of like 20%, 30% to our planes. That little zip at the end of the wing. So I want to ask you, when I look at a hacksaw blade, those teeth are true to the blade. But when I look at a modern blade, do you at all take the teeth and kind of tilt them up a little bit so they go away from the horizontal plane? Is that what you mean by improving the design of a saw blade? So what, the way you described it was the way it was done 20 years ago uh, by, and, and even 10 years ago. And that was, we're going to change the geometry. Now uh, we're, we're leveraging AI. We're, we're, we are leveraging new material form, formulations, hmm. the latest in technology. That's why, you know, our ability to be able to recruit the best and the brightest on a global basis today is we need the best and the bri brightest. People don't think of power tool accessories being that complicated. But when you're thinking about how can I put a little piece of carbide and then put a specific coating that is going to make this product work in this kind of application, that we're talking scientists, material scientists that we need. We're talking utilizing AI to be able to help us develop the machines to be able to get there. Same thing with electronic components and, and motors and battery technology. People don't understand that Milwaukee tool other than the car companies, we use more lithium batteries than anybody else in the globe. 
other than the automotive industry. And, and that's why we need the best and the brightest working on the chemistry and the technology and the formulations along the way to help us get get there. Anybody Steve Richmond. today that wants to move to the Midwest, give us a call. I want you to know one thing. Your dad is gone and in heaven, and so is mine. Your dad, the dry cleaner owner, and my dad, the carpenter. Both of them are so happy right now looking down at the two of us that Steve Richmond's talking to an orthopedic surgeon about the Milwaukee Sawzall. Both of them are having a big laugh up there in heaven. I got to tell you, not only is he proud of you and your brother Stan is proud of you, but I'm proud of you and all the weekend warriors are proud to hear your voice and your love for the tools that you are in charge of the Milwaukee Tool Company. Thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. One of the great interviews I've had, and I look forward to helping you come to the operating room someday. Can't wait to see you in person. Thanks for the opportunity, and uh, go Lakers. All right, young man. Thanks so much, Steve, for making time. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. What a joy to talk to Steve Richmond from the Milwaukee Tool Company. I'll take your calls. The number will be uh, 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Achtung, baby. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I love altacocaritis. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I want to give a shout-out. Sinai's best plastic surgeon, the great Dr. David Culber, and his physician assistant, Kylie, taking good care of me this week. I took some time off. I was surfing Monday through Thursday, but I also took time to take care of myself, and I had some skin tags taken off just under my arm, on my face, and he's the best, Dr. David Culber. You need a plastic surgeon. That's the guy I went to. Thursday... I surf Monday through Thursday, and the swell has been great. I did something I never did before. I surfed b- before the sun came up, and I'm usually done after two and a half hours at about 8 o'clock. Put my surfboard in the back of my truck. My buddy said, come on, Robbie, let's go have some coffee. I said, okay. But for whatever reason, I felt a pull, a pull to go back to look at the ocean. So I left my surfboard in the back of my truck and I walked. I walked back to the ocean at eight o'clock in the morning, which is usually when I'm done. My arms are tired. I've been catching waves for two hours. And I looked at the sunlight. I looked at the waves peeling in. For whatever reason, there were so few people were now out of the water. There was less people in the ocean. And I felt the whisper in my ear. Come on, Robbie, come back, come back in. And I'm going, I'm looking around like, who's talking to me? But that voice, you ain't done yet. Come back in. You got the day off. You'll meet David Culber later. He'll take those skin tags off of you. You got no place to go right now. I'm so used to that being the end of the session. And you know what I did? I said goodbye to my friends. I'll have coffee with you another time. I went to my truck. 
and I took my surfboard out of the back of my truck. This is after surfing for two hours already. I put the board under my arm and I walked down the staircase and I paddled back into the ocean. When I got back out to the lineup, one of my buddies said, I thought you left, Robbie. You're back? I said, yeah, I'm back. And he says to me, here it comes. And he looked at the horizon and he said, you take it, Robbie. This one's for you. And I turned my board and I started to paddle. And I paddled. And all of a sudden, I felt the hand of God take the board. I brought my arms out of the water. I stood up on that board and I rode that wave. I surfed all week and I remember some of the rides, but the best ride of that week was the ride that was extra, that wasn't supposed to happen. I almost felt like I died and was reborn and I'm back again. Really interesting when you make a certain change in your life, you get routines. It's really important to leave the routine. Try doing that, try walking home a slightly different way from work. Try driving home a slightly different route from work. Change your routine just slightly. You'd be surprised what you would see. Next week, I'm so excited because we'll go back to the world of medicine to showcase a young surgeon whose expertise is not only in foot and ankle surgery, but his particular area of interest is something called a Jones fracture or a dancer's fracture. Every one of these basketball players seems to have it. Even Michael Jordan broke his fifth metatarsal. Kevin Durant, legendary Jones fracture, needed three surgeries on that damn bone, including bone grafting it. Pau Gasol, the Lopez brothers, it's an injury that basketball players get. And when you break anything in the foot, Coach Dave Miller taught me a long time ago, in order to elevate, to get that beautiful Clay Thompson shot, it starts at the feet. It starts at that jump. And when your legs are tired, you don't have that accuracy in your shot. So an injury to the foot is fascinating. Max Mahalski is going to be my guest next Saturday, and I cannot wait to talk to him about the Jones fracture, the dancer's fracture. As far as the babka goes, yeah, the delicious bakery, Nordoff and Reseda. It's tucked in there in the shopping center. $12.50 will change your life because that babka has a vein of chocolate that goes through it that is like no other chocolate you'll ever eat. This chocolate drizzles on the top of this cake, but there's something special about that chocolate that runs through the center. Go get a chocolate babka, delicious bakery, and they ain't paying me to say it. Mm-mm, Until next week, I'll see you on the radio, and I'll leave you with volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying. Vol-